Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Universe Season 31, Episode 2. Coming up on this show, we've got the UFO Supercharger Network, DNA Frog Lasers, and the Russian Wave Genetics of Quantum Holography. I'm your host, Benjamin Grundy. Joining me is Aaron Wright. Whenever you add quantum to something, it just makes it far more legit. You know that it's real. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's got to be real. It's got to be accurate. You've got a quantum glass of water over there. Got a quantum <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> it's just... Everything's quantum it's on legit. this show. Yeah, exactly. So what's this quantum? What is it? A frog laser? Duck laser? I discovered there's a series of Russian scientists, and this is beginning in the 1930s, allegedly, that went in a different direction when the rest of the world was discovering the the origin of genes and DNA and the double helix and, you know, the... The, the, the pairs, chemistry nucleotide pairs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. There were all these Russian scientists, especially during the Cold War, who were like, Niet, is all wrong. We find a new science. And they figured out how to uh, capture DNA information with lasers and turn chickens into ducks <laughs> by shooting lasers what? at them. <laughs> Surely yeah, this, that's complete pseudoscience. This is that's all impossible. from the latest issue of Nexus magazine. One of the greatest, longest-running Weedo Woo magazines in the history of the world. There's always good stuff in there. They do do good work. I know we've been at war with them every now and again, but they do do good Yeah, we've had our run-ins with Nexus over the years, but who hasn't, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> uh, and this latest issue has an article on this Russian scientist who passed away just a few years ago, but he was actually nominated for a Nobel Prize. I'm going to be talking about his work uh, coming up, Dr. Um, what's his name? G- Garyev. 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 Okay. He was nominated for a Nobel Prize in medicine and physiology. I think it was back in 2008. So am I correct in the assumption that if it's showing up in something like Nexus magazine, that his research was suppressed and it's hidden? It's freaking frog lasers, well, dude. I mean, what yeah, do you okay. expect? Yeah, of course, it's suppressed and <laughs> hidden. Yep. And he, he was nominated for the Nobel Prize and then Sadly, he passed away three weeks later. Was he lasered by someone? Well, that's all the conspiracies. <laughs> if you look up this guy, there's all these conspiracies that he he was killed because he was about to be nominated. He was about to possibly get the prize. And this would have put the spotlight on him, which would have exposed a lot of Russian secret DNA frog laser research. Oh, I see. Okay, right. So it's not like pharmaceutical companies trying to knock him off. It would reveal... Other details, more dark world kind of stuff. It just would have opened up a whole can of worms, a whole Pandora's box of alternative DNA science. So I've got some weird stuff surrounding that coming up. We're going to look at the uh, magic behind it. We're going to perhaps return to even uh, S. Rob's latest. I was looking at S. Rob today. There's, uh, you know, S. Rob, the balloon magic, famous uh, spell uh, salesman. 
He's a sexy naked person. Sex attraction, sexy spell is one of our favorites. 25 pounds. We'll link to it in the show notes if you want to get that spell. It's still available. Still available. <laughs> I had a look today. But he's he's got a video on YouTube where um, he, he's just coming out of a nightclub or something in the middle of the night with sunglasses on, like classic S. Rob. And his latest book is, I think it's called How to Summon Demons. Like in just, a nightclub? Yeah, something like that. But he comes out of this nightclub and he's like telling this story about how a um, demon serpent appeared to him. And then he starts rambling about the Wu-Tang Clan. So we've got to go into that. I, I saw that right at the end of the day. And I just thought, this is the icing on the MU cake that I'll be saving for dessert <laughs> later on. What have you got coming? Right. Okay. Well, we were going to talk about this strange link between UFOs and, and mining on the last show. We didn't get time to do it. So I'm going to go into that in our plus extension. But I've managed to extrapolate it a little bit. And take a look at this great new document. Well, when I say new, it's been out for a couple of years now, but a great documentary looking at this correlation between uh, power locations. So not just mines, but also power plants and significant installations across West Virginia that seem to have a higher incidence of paranormal activity, not just UFO activity, but paranormal activity in general. You mentioned something about UFOs and mining activity on the last episode that we didn't get a chance to go into. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So it was pulling um, uranium, like people, there's stories of UFOs pulling the radioactivity from uranium and, you know, kind of sourcing, you know, energy and all that sort of stuff that they would need. Because if you're traveling from somewhere deep in the universe, you don't want to bring all your supplies with you. You want to go to the local, you know, convenience store when you get to your destination. So it turns out that Earth's mines may be those locations. So I'm going to go into what cons- could be considered to be the EV supercharger network cool. across West Virginia <laughs> that is for UFOs. Is it just a massive queue, all these discs lined up? <laughs> and when it gets cold, that is freeze yeah. and crash. Three of the chargers are broken. Pretty much. And it's always the wrong connector. And you've got UFOs <laughs> fighting, or your occupants fighting each other. All that stuff comes up. That sounds fun. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into this. Yeah. So I went into, as I said, the Nexus latest issue. This is January 2024, volume 31, number one. And there's an article in there by Roger Meacock called DNA as Wave Genetics. And I started reading this and it's one of those conundrums where, you know, you want to make fun of it, which I will. But at the same time, you start to wonder, is there anything anything to this? Is there... Is there a diamond in the rough here? Is there some true information? And it's all about the work of this Russian scientist. Again, his name's Professor Peter Garyaev. And uh, I think I've got an image of him here. No, I don't. I just turned all my images upside down. Let's turn my map upside down. There he is. There he is. Handsome Russian, Russian-looking guy. And uh, yeah, he was nominated for a Nobel Prize back in October of 2020, but sadly passed away just weeks later on November 17. So there are these rumors surrounding his death. I, I couldn't find out how he died or right. if there's anything nefarious. It's just people like to comment, just idiotic comments, to be honest. But I was reading this article wondering, what is this guy's area of expertise? Well, this author, Meacock, claims that Garyev was best known for his discovery of the phantom DNA effect back in 1984. Have you ever heard of this? No. Does this link in with epigenetics or something like that? Yeah, kind of. He supposedly discovered that an electromagnetic trace of DNA is detectable in water after the DNA has been removed from the solution. Oh, that's odd. Is it like a weird homeopathic like DNA effect or something? Well, critics of this are quick to apply that label, that this is simply homeopathy, which has been supposedly proven wrong, proven false, which, you know, is a whole other uh, topic. But 
in this article, he said the discoveries and theories that he developed into the practical treatment system known as wave genetics is the culmination of his understanding of quantum biophysics and clinical medicine. So in terms of this reference to homeopathy, it's I guess it's kind of the same principle that there's some there's something left behind. There's when an impression left behind. A solution is diluted enough that uh, there's this is the idea that there's some kind of imprint, there's some kind of memory. Yeah. And other researchers have gone down this track and have tried to argue that it's something magical about water, that water has a kind of memory effect. This isn't quite what Garyev uh, was onto. This wave genetics thing that he's started to uh, build upon is a little bit different. Meacock gives us a bit of history here. So, of course, we know 1953, we've got Crick and Watson. They discover, sorry, discover, discover the double helix, uh, the structure of DNA, uh, the pairings of nucleotides. They win the Nobel Prize for this discovery. Then you've got Dr. Craig Venter, who led the International uh, Human Genome Project that cost millions and millions of dollars where they drafted the first sequence of the human genome. And I forget how long it took them. It was months and months and months. Oh, it was longer than that, wasn't it? it was Years, only, right? Yeah, it was only recently fully mapped, I think. And today we can do it pretty much instantaneously. Rapidly. Very, very, rapidly. very rapidly. Yeah. They conclude, though, that only 5% of our encoding triplets in the DNA are used to direct the, the functionality of it. That's right. Which yeah. is where the term junk DNA comes from. Now, that's not really a term that's used today and the understanding has evolved. And I think the, you know, the mainstream understanding of DNA is that it's not junk DNA. Well, the reason why I think at some point, uh, some people speculated that early on that it may have been junk DNA is because a lot of it was theorized to be uh, insert viral insertions. Oh, right. From viruses. And it's just been in our genome now for a long, it just doesn't do anything. It doesn't code for anything. Um, but of course, you know, there's been deeper research into it, which suggests that that's not necessarily the case. Well, the bottom line was it it revealed that there must be other factors to how DNA functions. If mm. you've got 95% of this material that isn't doing what we think it should be doing, or it's we don't understand what it's doing, the, the picture is incomplete. Well, it's also inconsistent with the, the theory of evolution as well. Like evolution, the whole idea is that you're evolving to get better. So you're discarding things that aren't required, right? So if we've got DNA and 95% of it is useless, it doesn't make an, like an evolutionary, from an evolutionary standpoint, why we would hang on to that for so long. It must have a purpose. Yeah, it must serve some role. And naturally, that's what you would think is there's, there's a purpose for everything in the human body. Yeah. And this, this surely just wouldn't be junk. Well, Meacock makes it clear that Russian scientists from the get-go, their understanding of DNA and genes deviated from the West quite considerably. And he goes all the way back to 1925, where apparently scientists like A.A. Alexander Lubashev recognized that our DNA and genes are not the code for living organisms in themselves. But so what is it? are the link to our bioinformational field. Uh-oh. Now, we've covered this kind of stuff before mm -hmm. when we've looked at biophotons bio and the idea of a kind of uh, energetic scaffolding. That's right, yes, the electrical scaffolding. Yeah, some kind of electromagnetic scaffolding that makes up the constitution of the physical body and the, the physical matter, the cells and the bones and sinew and the muscle, its development follows the blueprint of this energetic scaffolding. Which we then speculated might give us insight as to why people experience things like phantom limb syndrome. That's right. Because the, the electric scaffolding still says that you should have an arm, but 
you don't have one, so it still creates pain and this phantom you know, feeling. Yeah, sensations. so if your arm gets amputated and it gets itchy, you're in a can't lot of trouble because you can't scratch it. And of course, you know, neuroscientists will say, well, it's all in the brain. It's, we've discovered this part of the brain, but there could be more to that. Uh, and these scientists believe this information resides and operates at the quantum level as waves and fields. So it's not the nucleotides, it's not necessarily in the DNA. That's just one part of it. That's the material part of it. But the bulk of the information exists as a field. Uh, another Russian that came along shortly after this, who came to the same conclusion, was N. Beklemeshev. Uh, he worked on a similar idea of this bioinformational field. I can't find any information on these guys, by the way. This is my caveat on this information. These guys are not Googleable. I wonder which why. Which is extremely suspicious. Mm. I would think that I would at least find some reference to them. Perhaps they're just so obscure that there's no writing in English about them at all. Uh, That's a possibility. Or the other possibility is, is that uh, it's just been made up. <laughs> well, not like, that it's let's... been made up. It's just that they were quacks in the 1920s yeah. as well, yeah. which is another possibility. So I'm open-minded to either direction. So Gary Ayev's team at the Russian Academy of Sciences, uh, and this is where he was established uh, during the Soviet Union and after as well, uh, he put together this team to investigate DNA. And he recognized, based on the work of these earlier individuals, that it wasn't just a case of sequencing the nucleotides and the codons and looking at that physical matter. He took a broader approach, according to Meekock here in the article, in his team, he brought together biophysicists, molecular biologists, embryologists, but also linguistic experts. What? Mm. Why would you need Why would you do linguists that? in your DNA research? They concluded that the supposed junk DNA that has been completely neglected and forgotten by Western mainstream science wasn't a redundant leftover of evolution at all. Linguistic studies revealed that the sequencing of the codons of the non-coding DNA follow the rules of grammatical syntax that gives context to the coding DNA. Oh, hence why you need the linguists. Right. So what is, I've heard this theory before as well, and this is something you know, I've speculated on, is that rather than, you know, if you're a, an ancient civilization or a, a highly advanced civilization and you want to record your history in something, you do it two ways. One is in stone, but that's not guaranteed to last a long time, or you put it in DNA. How do you put it in DNA? Because you could put a whole, <laughs> you could put text into DNA. How do, how do ancient people do that? Well, I, I, I'm saying like in a very advanced species that okay. has created humanity. This is the theories that are out there. You're you know, talking aliens, about technology. Yeah, that have created, like, for example, they've created humanity. And so in our DNA, they've impregnated that, that knowledge so that you some, at some point will be able to read it. I'm not saying that that's what's happened. It's just one of these theories that's out there. This is more along the lines of them finding similar rules to language, that the, the DNA information follows the same, like syntax is the, the rules of language, like mm -hmm. the, the mathematical um, relationships between the words. They found the same thing. Uh, the team allegedly discovered that there is a definite structure and logic in the sequence of these triplets creating a biological language such that the codons effectively form words and sentences, just like our spoken language follows grammatical rules. So it's, to put it in like a layman's nutshell, is that they unlocked some kind of secret language code of DNA, some kind of secret code. 
Um, so it just happens to be in Russian. <laughs> yeah, it's only in Russian. Uh, I, I would if, obviously it's a mathematical formula. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and his team they concluded that DNA functions on an electromagnetic and acoustic level, and because of this discovery, it could be modulated. It could be reprogrammed using sound and frequency. So hang on, vibrations. Vibrations, exactly. So this is where we get to his perhaps his most famous experiment. And really, after reading this, this is why I wanted to talk about this guy today. So in one of these experiments... Sorry, despite the fact he's a handsome gentleman, would you mind just taking it off the screen? He's just staring <laughs> at me, freaking me out. You've just left it on the screen here. I just got this Russian dude staring I at me. I can't. He's. I can't remove it from the screen. It's just like... <laughs> It's got a spell. It's got a <laughs> Russian spell. He's looking into my soul. It's freaking me out. <laughs> well, listen to this guy's experiment. He he got a laser. He got a low-powered laser. And he shone the laser through a container that had salamander embryos in it. Okay. And the laser went through these salamander embryos into another container that had frog embryos in there. And so he hit. So the laser... what? intercepted the salamanders and then hit the the frog the embryos. The frog embryos. And you would think, okay, so what are these frog embryos going to grow into? What don't do you think they grew into? Don't tell me salamanders. They grew into freaking salamanders. Here's the uh, technical document of his research. So is this, again, going back to that whole homeopathy idea, is he suggesting that with the laser somehow he could transfer the genetic information of the salamanders to the frogs? Yeah, the, so the laser... The low-powered laser is picking up the, the genetic information, so, the, the information from the DNA in the salamander embryos. It's gathering it up. It's picking up the vibrations and, and it, transferring those vibrations. Well, not even, not even vibe. I don't know if, you, if it needs to be called vibrations. Whatever. The information. Picks up the information, it beams it into the frog embryos, and this is what came out. <laughs> Little, like, weird frogo salamanders. And this was his face. He was like... <laughs> He could not believe That's it. That's why you left it on the screen for so long. Now I know what, I know what you did. It's even worse. So if there's any truth to this, I thought, wow, this is incredible. Uh, this proved that not only does DNA have an informational aspect that determines its expression, but that it is possible to pick up and transfer this information using freaking lasers. Yeah, but it, it, the mind begins to you know, wonder what could be occurring here? Is it, is it a laser? Like, could you just take the salamander embryos and then give them a bit of a stir and the frog embryo solution and then take them out? Like, why is it a laser? And well, why wouldn't it be half salamander, half frog? Yeah. Why was it? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Can you do the reverse? Like, can you run it through a frog and make the salamander turn into a frog? <laughs> well, and there's all those crazy, you know, stories about the uh, the Russians attempting to create uh, genetic supermen soldiers by creating human Zs, yes, right? there is a lineage of this. So it's like, is this what you could do? You could fire through a chimpanzee embryo into a human yeah. embryo? What happens if you get a laser and fire it through a salamander, through a frog, through a chimpanzee, into a pregnant woman's belly? <laughs> Could you get some kind of Soviet super army of freaks? Yes. I was going to say yes. <laughs> uh, so did he have any idea how this was working? What was his theory? Well, Garyev postulated that the genome is a multidimensional, oh, sorry, is multidimensional and exists in a chromosome continuum. <laughs> it's the issue. Like the, the gobbledygook goes to level 1000 with this stuff. 
he claimed that a stable wave that travels throughout the organism along the highly structured double helix DNA uh, and it holds the genetic information as electromagnetic and acoustic holograms. So it's kind of you falling lost me at holograms. It's kind of falling in line with what we've discussed regarding this field in the past. This electromagnetic scaffolding, this blueprint that all living creatures, all living beings have. Um, well, you know what it ties in with as well. It ties in with like the the ideas of traditional Chinese medicine, where um, the thoughts and the stress factors of the father or the mother, you know, can influence the genetic outcomes, like the health of a child later on. I'm like, well, even though it's not significant though, but if you're under a huge amount of stress and that's affecting, you know, I don't, I, I'm using the word vibration, but the energy, like, can that cause some type of you know, modification of the genome. Well, I think it's we're starting to understand things like trauma are passed on Absolutely, through yeah. genes as well. Yep. So I I can't remember last time we spoke about that whether there's some kind of um, you know physical explanation for that. You know, whether they've identified what the changes to the telomere. I, I believe or, that was epigenetics in that because well, I remember the experiments where they were like terrifying mice and then seeing if right. the if the offspring would have the same fear response, and they did. And I think from what I recall, it had something to do with epigenetics. Right. So the switching on of genes so I guess in, the, the diff- in the womb. The difference is the Russians are saying, well, we understand there's a discovery of these, uh, you know, chemical genetic factors, physical factors that are passed on, but there's also a field. There's also kind of wave of information that's passed on as well. But he wasn't finished with his um, frog lasers. Gareyev performed another experiment. Laboratory rats were given a pancreatic toxin called alloxin, and this induced uh, diabetes, a diabetic state in the test rats. And so one third of these rats were the control group. They remained untreated. They died after four or five days, all dead. Uh, But just before dying, there was another group of treated rats that were exposed to DNA information captured from a healthy rat pup pancreas. Now, he's not clear on how they captured the information. I presume it's another laser. Lasers. <laughs> or maybe they used a cassette recorder to record the sound fields of their healthy pancreas. But according to his study, over 90% of the treated rats survived. So remember, this is just beaming those test rats with some kind of... Uh, Laser. Light information or acoustic information. Uh, He claims they regained their pancreatic function by day 10, including a third group of test rats that were 20 kilometers from the source of the matrix. (laughs) So how did they transfer that information? Well, I'll get to that with another, a French scientist who was doing similar stuff uh, not too long ago. Uh, but the idea is you can digitize the information and then just email it. <laughs> you can just email it to the other lab. They can then turn it into an analog signal and apply it to the control group, or not the control group, but the, the group of rats. By this experiment, according to Meekock here, Dr. Garyev prov- proved that information collected from correctly functioning organs can be used to direct unhealthy organs to repair and regain function. So obviously this has huge implications for... Health and the pharmaceutical industry as well. Yeah, if there's any truth to this at all. I I grabbed a clip of the guy uh, giving a lecture a few years ago. Now, forgive the translation. It's like a robotic machine translation. 
but we'll get a chance to see the guy uh, explaining some of this. Let's take a listen. I tried to convince scientists that the genetic apparatus works not only at the material level, but also at the wave level. They laughed at me when I offered them to make a DNA laser. All chromosomes of all living things are structures that emit laser light. There was a question, is it possible to create an artificial DNA laser? I convinced our scientists for about five years to make a DNA laser. We pumped up DNA and chromosomes so that they began to emit coherent light. Pumped what? with a yellow line. The well, that might be the biophoton effect, which we've spoken about in the past. Mm. And that's understood that all yeah. living cells give off light. Yeah. Uh, to varying degrees. Highlight was obtained at about 390 nanometers, blue ultraviolet light. It was published but went unnoticed. Oh, so it's not in the visible spectrum either. By Japanese authors appeared, where they did the same work, and stated that they had created a DNA laser. Thus our work was confirmed. We have created equipment that simulates holographic processes. Next slide. This is the setup. This laser, which mimics chromosomal radiation, works on polarized photons. The polarization of a photon is a change in spin. Genetic wave information is recorded on the spins of photons. This modest setting allowed us to transmit genetic information read from the pancreas and transmit it over a distance of 20 kilometers in animals that did not have a pancreas. They were poisoned with a special poison that kills the pancreas and the animals died from type 1 diabetes. So that's the experiment I was just yeah. explaining. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it's just funny hearing this guy. He's very matter-of-fact. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a translation. I like, but looking at him. It took him like five years to convince them to let him build a DNA laser. <laughs> He's just showing up at the office well, every day. I must. I have, Trust me, it worked. work. I get crystal. I get laser. I get DNA. Shoot that rat. It's good, though, from the perspective <laughs> of looking at this at a completely different angle. Like a completely different angle. Yeah, and immediately I realized, okay, if this has been done in Russia for a while, there's going to be Russian devices that you can buy that On do this to you. Uh, and indeed, before I go into those, because <laughs> I did find some Russian devices, there's one on the screen there. Is that like a jerry-rigged laser of some kind? That's your classic uh, Russian DNA duck laser lab. That's what they all pretty much look like. Uh, and for those listening to the audio, it's it's a mess. It looks like a junkyard. Uh, but devices like this. It looks like a copper cone sitting upon some other metal box of some kind yeah. with a switch on it. It looks like a, a headphone amp with a weird pyramid yeah. on top of it. Uh, before I go into those, these healing devices based on this discovery, I wanted to see if there's really any reality to this. Have have any other scientists in other parts of the world made similar discoveries that back up this guy's claims? Surely he's not the only person that has come across this effect. Well, obviously everything about this guy is in Russian. It was very difficult to find information, but there, there have been... Other claims, uh, and the author of the Nexus article, Meekock, mentions one of them, and that's uh, Luke Montagnier. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's the uh, discoverer of the HIV virus, isn't he? That's right. He won the Nobel Prize back in 2008. He was, the, I think, the co-discoverer. He was the co-receiver of the prize. I think he discovered the virus on his own. He's quite a controversial figure now, and I think he even came out and suggested later on that the HIV virus may not necessarily be the cause of AIDS, or but like a co... I wasn't aware of that. Like, there's something like that that came out. He's also been heavily involved in the uh, criticism of the, the vaccine rollouts with yeah. COVID. Well, so 
Yeah, it's it's quite intriguing where he sits. Yeah, I mean, so sadly he died. French virologist, yeah, he passed away in 2022, mm. um, won the Nobel Prize in 2008, but discovered HIV in 1983. Mm. That's what he won the prize for. So obviously a brilliant scientist, uh, but he was, you're right, he was highly criticised towards the end of his career uh, for comments, especially towards the end for comments he made about vaccines. But most notably, uh, he was accused of having Nobel disease or nobleitis. And what is that? That you've got your typical. This is this slanderous term that's given to scientists who win the Nobel Prize, then have the uh, audacity to research areas of science that are outside the mainstream understanding. How wow. dare they? How dare they? Uh, it's, yeah, unsound ideas, looking at unsound ideas. Have you ever heard anything so That's ridiculous? Absurd. Absolutely absurd. Like every scientific discovery has been thought to be ridiculous, um, bef- you know, before it was understood. So he was considered a sufferer of this nobleitis because he made discoveries that seemed to perhaps support homeopathy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Although I'm not sure he ever stated that he supported homeopathy. It seems as though this was just a label that was applied to him. Oh, that, the way that's it, the thing today. Like so many people just say you're this or you're that, and they have no idea about what your research is and what you're doing or your beliefs are. It seems like it, it was a tool that his critics used to just slander him, yeah. to say he supports homeopathy. Uh, there's a hit piece I found from Joe Schwartz that was written about him back in February 22, 2022 after he passed away. It was from McGill University. Um it was entitled DNA Teleportation. Really? Montagnier, in his curious paper, the author said, claimed that he had detected electromagnetic signals in water that had previously held viral DNA, even after the DNA had been filtered and the water repeatedly diluted. The signals were recorded by a microphone coil and sent by email to a group of researchers in Italy, where it was transmitted to a sample of distilled water in a sealed metal tube. Wow. So that's the setup for the experiment. And there's a documentary I'll link to in the show notes detailing this. It's a French documentary with uh, English dubbing. It's over an hour and a half long. And this is really how they did it. Like when they distilled the DNA, like there was one molecule of DNA in a test tube, and then they distill that. I think they distill it like 20 times or something, more than 20 times. by distill, you mean they heat it up so it turns into a gas, turns into steam, and then it's condensed. Like that's one of the way to make pure water, essentially. Yeah, well, the it's stat... It's a, a real purification process. The stat they were quoting is that by the time they'd finished diluting it... Oh, it, diluting, okay. It, it would be the equivalent of a drop of something in the Atlantic Ocean. Right, okay. That's how diluted it was. And the idea is that, obviously, there's nothing of that molecule left, but somehow there's a recording of it in the water. 
Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm trying to work out whether or not it was distilling or diluting. Because if you're distilling it, you Did are, I stay distilling? Still, yeah, so distilling is you're, you're turning it into steam. Sorry, I meant no, diluting. Diluting, yeah. So diluting, you still have the original water, but you've diluted it so much that, yeah, you've eradicated the original, but something still remains. So obviously that's how that electromagnetic signature can remain. It's it's it the does. it's the distilled water that that signal is injected into at the other lab in Italy. That's where the distilled water comes into. Oh, you must have misheard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that's even more complicated. So they take that distilled water that has uh, that digital signal passed into it. They put it in the PCR machine, and I think it was on the third or fourth spin in the the PCR machine that early. It started to. You know, in the do, cycle, it started to do the DNA replication, and the result was identical to the original that had been dilated in dilated, diluted, yeah, <laughs> dilated. Not that kind of experiment. It, it was diluted in France. It had somehow. Oh my god! So that's, yeah, there's there's no way at all. There's no way. There's there's no physical connection between those two samples. So how was it? transmitted like See, it was transmitted electronically the thrust of their theory was that it was water has a kind of memory effect and of course we have Emoto's research and others who have looked at this um who was the plant guy was it hashimoto as well he also looked into water yeah there's a whole bunch of renegade scientists who have been thinking along these lines and what connects them all together is they're slandered and attacked and in this article it said the scientific establishment was stunned here was a Nobel Prize winner making a totally implausible claim. Needless to say, nobody has been able to duplicate the experiment. And it, it, throughout the rest of this, he just starts like attacking the guy, saying that uh, he had all these other crazy ideas, like people that change their diets, it would be uh, helpful for HIV. Um, he started to oppose childhood vaccinations as if, you know, this was a horror. Imagine that, opposing childhood vaccinations. What an evil individual. This prompted more than 100 members of the French Academies of Science and Medicine to publish an open letter condemning the man. Sheep. For spreading dangerous health messages outside of his field of knowledge. He wasn't an expert. And of course, when COVID-19 appeared, Montagnu told French TV viewers that vaccination was an enormous mistake and would promote the spread of new variants. And the author here says it seems the COVID virus exacerbates the symptoms of Nobel disease. Hmm? What a oh, douche. Oh, this guy's going to die of cringe. What a douche. So in terms of replicating this experiment, why would anyone try and replicate yeah. this experiment? And subject themselves to the same level of ridicule. Oh, let me just go ahead and destroy my career. If he replicated it, the only the only acceptable uh, result is that you could not it replicate fails. it. Fails. Yeah, and it, it's just it's quite obvious that you know, the the bias is uh, you know heavily handed here, and <laughs> these the scientists that go against the grain they really don't stand a chance. Like this guy's career and reputation was ruined because he dared to suggest something outside of conventional understanding, and yet you've got the Russians doing this decades prior. Yeah, so the Russians allegedly been, allegedly looking into this since the 1930s. Well, I wanted to play you a little clip from this French documentary that detailed his work, and it also includes uh, some audio of his predecessor, whose name I was trying to remember earlier, who we have mentioned on the show. That's uh, Ben Venist. Oh, yes. Ben Venist, mm -hmm. uh, or Benavist. Uh, let me cue it up 
here. And again, I'll link to this on, in the show notes. It's quite a long one. Let's take a listen. The notion of water memory was first raised in the 1980s by a renowned scientist called Jacques Benveniste. It immediately sparked a huge scientific controversy. Yet, it is Professor Montagnier, the joint recipient of the 2008 Nobel Prize in Physiology for the discovery of HIV, who took up the torch after Benveniste. Although he had nothing else to prove, why did he choose to risk his career by venturing through the troubled waters of water memory? As soon as you mention Benveniste, it's like talking about the devil. Mm. There was a sense of fear and intellectual terror because the minute you followed Benveniste's track, you were banned. If the results fit with the norm, I'm considered as a good scientist. Under the same conditions, with the same technique in the same lab, if the results are deviant from the actual norm, then I'm considered as a misfit. The system is sick, but I'm not. My advantage over right. is that I got the Nobel Prize for the discovery of the HIV. Therefore, I gained recognition in the scientific community. Yet today, my notoriety is challenged by some who say he might have discovered the HIV, but he's outdated now. That's completely wrong. These are my best years of research. I'm finding the most important phenomena today. It's a good thing to discover a virus, but finding about the mechanisms of life, that's even more important. I like him. You can just tell there's, he's actually quite down to earth for a Nobel Prize winner. Well, yeah, he's, he's correct in saying that once he had that prize, it, it enabled him to do this kind of research and give a bit of weight behind it because he wasn't just some random, he wasn't just an unknown name who was easily easily brushed aside. But of course, in the end, though, it didn't matter. He was brushed aside. He was yeah. attacked. His, his career and reputation destroyed. And this has resulted uh, in some, you know, humorous interpretations of this kind of research. So when I went looking for this this Russian guy, Garyaev's um, genetic wave memory on YouTube, one of the videos that was near the top results was actually a TEDx presentation by a Blair Reeve, Dr. Articulator. And I thought, oh, okay, well, there's a TEDx, like TEDx that you occasionally see some good stuff. So I'll have a listen to this and see what it's about. Let's take a listen. Linguistic wave genetics by Dr. Articulator. I'm going to demonstrate, but forget that for now. Linguistic wave genetics by Dr. Articulator. He calls himself Dr. Articulator. Yeah. Uh, eight straight monster, eight ling sticker, wistic, linguistic, wave, 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 a wave of a vein, and genetic, oh. genetic, energetic, genetics. For which I'll invoice you latest by pay to this latent placed in your payment memo, lemon, lubscub, on unconscious, subconscious. This is a uh, science humor. <laughs> this, this gets the gags at the, uh, the science conference. I didn't hear anyone laughing. When I demonstrate that linguistic wave genetics can be a means of healing certain plautably moporatic or neglaproblatolative distraught chakras in your instructional thinking out of pats and tatapatata patterns, you will think it completes. Now, the humor comes from the fact that they do use terms like holographic and quantum. And, I heard chakra in there somewhere. And chakra. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I don't mind making fun of some of these guys. Obviously, we do it on the show, and I'm going to make fun of this Russian guy pretty soon. But, uh, but what's this guy making claims about? Why is he doing a, a, a TED talk? That all of this is just gobbledygook nonsense. And again, I'm just trying to paint the picture of the, the response that you will get from the, the club, the in club. But I'm just trying to get my head around it. This guy got up and spoke like David Hyford win semicolon Miller <laughs> for what, 45 minutes? Yeah. It's gobbledygook? Yeah. I don't know if it was 45 minutes. It was probably about five minutes. Expecting to achieve what? Well, 
Garyaev ignored the naysayers and he continued with his own approach, which leads us to his most profound discovery yet. He proved that genetic data and information held on the quantum level can be captured, transferred and influenced using electromagnetic and acoustic waves. His next step was to realize that a photograph not only captures our physical image, but is also a means to link back to the universal hologram node that holds our DNA information at the time the photo was taken. So those ancient African tribes that believed every time your photograph was taken, a piece of your stole was stolen, was stolen stolen is true? I literally read that today. Someone arguing that the Australian Aboriginals Aboriginals, were correct in thinking that (laughs) if you get your photo taken, your soul, part of your soul is stolen. Well, this Russian scientist was saying, yeah, your your photograph has some kind of capture of your genetic information. By scanning a photograph, he believed, and they tested this and they did many experiments on this, and recording the reflections from the photograph, this DNA information can be captured and a digital signal can be created and turned into a WAV file or an MP3. Um, you can get a sound file from from your photograph. So what what does it capture? Does it capture your entire genome? Does it capture like like a certain segment of your DNA? Yeah, a couple it, of chromosomes. I, I'm not sure exactly what it captures, but it is genetic information. Information. So the idea was, and I've seen this advertised, and this is where you know real deserved criticism comes in. I've seen this advertised on various websites. You take a photo of yourself as a child, and then you send it into these places that sell these devices like uh, wavegenetics.co.uk, for example, and they will use their laser technology to scan the genetic information of you when you were a healthy baby, create a file, and they send that back to you. You then listen to that file every day, like before you go to bed, and your aging aging starts to slow down, according to them. So what I did is I went to their website. I went to uh, wavegenetics.co.uk. .co.uk, the ultimate biohack for health and anti-aging. And uh, I was checking out their site. There's a buy it now link. So let's just skip all the information. Just go straight to the shop. How much is it? Let's scroll down. Yes, please help me restore my DNA information to transform and rejuvenate my health. Click here. I choose to be my best. Take me to the online store to buy. So I clicked on that. All right. Yeah, well, there's a lot of information. Just take me to the store. Where can I buy it? Okay, individual matrix. Let's go. Let's click on that. Come on. Okay, individual matrix <laughs> with photograph. 800 pounds. This is a bespoke personalized wave genetics matrix formula created for an individual human or animal. So just out of interest, right? I mean, I get it might take a little bit of time to create it, but you're not really using any you know, lab material or anything like that. Uh, how does it cost 800 pounds? How do they justify 800 pounds? Well, they had to pay for the DNA dock laser. So I imagine that's expensive. And so what I did is I purchased it using the company credit card. Don't worry. It's it's claimable. It's claimable on tax. And I, I sent them a photo of you when you were a baby, which is uh, this one here. That is not me when I was a baby. Yeah, that's you. Does it look familiar? No, it does. <laughs> does anyone know who that is? That better not be Hitler. <laughs> yeah, it's baby Hitler. Oh, my God. <laughs> I sent him that. 
I sent a baby Hitler. And uh, there's a, a sound file coming to you very shortly. Oh, I know what the sound file is going to be. <laughs> no, it takes six months to get here. So we'll do it. We'll do a follow-up show in six months. It's just going to be our soundboard, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be our soundboard. That's all it's going to be. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with where, yeah, obviously you've got to be highly skeptical and critical of this. These guys claim you can scan a photo, pick up genetic information from it, and replicate it, reproduce it. But even the idea of how you would absorb that, like how, like the idea that you just put on headphones and you listen to this, it, it kind of crosses over into that realm of uh, like the digital drugs and that kind of stuff. Well, now we're in the realm of magic. Absolutely. Where yeah. like the idea of something being imprinted on a photograph is never really something that we'd discuss in relation to technology or, um, you know, a laser or a device. You do it in but metaphysics. It's certainly something that we would entertain. The idea that an artist, for example, can paint something and there's more than just paint on canvas. There's something behind the it. There's a, a, a piece of the artist in there. There's the message they wanted to convey. And this might be more than something just... Um, kind of construed by the viewer. It's more than just a subjective interpretation. There's a real intangible An um, energy, you know. essence or energy of information contained in that. Yep. So the idea that a photograph can have something similar, I don't think is out of the ordinary. I don't think there's well, anything too crazy it, about it, that. It's funny, actually. I, I've noticed it only recently. It's like, and, and maybe like people, oh, it's just a trend. It's like, oh, I don't think so. It's like every single woke corporation uses that same cartoon oh, that artwork that really weird artwork oh god and i'm like there's something in that there's something in that that energy and i know it sounds batshit crazy but like every single one of them does it because it's like there's an there's an energy in the ideology behind it do people know what we're talking about it's like that generic it's, um and it's everyone's using it big tech art yeah it's just and it's all kind of very um i don't know it's like geometric a little bit but it's just it's very simplistic and but it's everywhere Generic company art. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Generic tech company art, that style. You see it all over the place. I think it's fading out a bit now, but you, you still see it. Oh, it's still around. And it is, I mean, that's why that, there's a, on the screen here, there's like a a parody of it where it's the devouring, you know, that famous devouring. Yeah, I, I think there's something in these things. Like Satin devouring your son in that style yeah. of artwork. And there is something off-putting about because it's always, the thing about that artwork is it's always askew. It's always distorting reality. Yes. The proportions are wrong. Yep. The um, the features are wrong and ugly. The demographics are wrong. Everything about, it's well, everything about it is like the, the nature of that is evil because it's shifting away from beauty and it's shifting away from truth. It's creating something distorted and unreal. There was a quote that I saw the other day. I can't remember who who said it, but I found it quite intriguing. There was, um, I don't know. That, that quote from Kant. Well, yeah, it was Emmanuel Kant. It was like the whole idea of like that there is truth and beauty or beauty is like only only truth is beautiful, something like that. <laughs> but it's it's true. It's like you see beautiful art and it's it's because it's truthful. When you start you know, stepping away from that, then it becomes yeah. like Hieronymus Bosch kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and so what you're saying is that there's something energetic, energetic behind in that, that generic yep. tech artwork yeah. that is... And contagious and negative. Uncanny Valley um, divergent. It's yeah. like, it's degenerate. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And, and I, I tend to agree with you 
But this whole idea that you can scan your baby photo. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, that's complete just, absurdity. Like It sounds insane. And it's exploiting also people, you know, that aren't aging, mm. you know, like happily. So what, you'll spend 800 bucks. You'll spend, you know, 500 bucks on a cream. Well, then you'll spend 800 bucks to, you know, get a laser. Well, there's a lot of positive testimonials of people that have tried this. Oh, yeah, I'm amongst sure of, the of positive people. Amongst the positive testimonials, there's a few from... Um, like one guy I read said, I my grandmother spent all her money to buy this because she had cancer and oh, did absolutely see, nothing for her. Awful. Exploiting people that are desperate. But that's not to say it doesn't work. I mean, because it doesn't work for someone doesn't mean that there's nothing to it. Uh, but what if you don't have a baby photo? What if you're not as lucky as you to have a delightful baby photo <laughs> to send into one of these services? So if you start, let's just say that that audio track comes back. Let's just play this out. We send in that photograph. We've paid 800 pounds out of our hard-earned <laughs> money that we've got to claim against our tax. And then all of a sudden, I start listening to, what, like, Erica? <laughs> Erica. <laughs> like, and all of us, oh, am I going to suddenly want to start rounding people up? Like, what What happens? I Does don't know. You're, you're already a snappy dresser. Oh, so, well, do I grow a little mustache? What, like, what happens? <laughs> it's terrifying. Well, those who don't have access to a healthy baby photo can utilize one of a close blood relative, where the resonant frequency of the DNA acoustic hologram is sufficiently close to be able to influence theirs. This technique can also be used for helping those with congenital disorders, such as Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, cystic fibrosis, etc., where a sibling or parent without the disorder can substitute their photo to create a sound file. And of course... Uh, as suggested there, yes, uh, wave genetics can indeed cure Down syndrome. Let's take a listen. Oh, no. A tremendous result was achieved with the Down syndrome patient. The Russian academician Dr. Peter Gereyev and Dr. Nadezhda Ustinova, using their unique technology and expertise, achieved a tremendous result in the treatment of a patient with Down syndrome. They managed to create a unique way in which a change of negative influence of additional X chromosome in Down syndrome is achieved by use of linguistic wave genetics technology. The experiment involved a positive results were achieved with the two-and-a-half-year-old child Ron Hitarian from the city of Ekaterinburg. The brain of the child grows within the first three years. Roman's mother... I'm, a bit, I'm being a bit unfair because it wasn't cured, obviously, but the results were that the child started walking and communicating. Had better outcomes. And much better outcomes. But there's nothing to... There's no control group. There's nothing to compare it to. So it's not like the, the parent had another Down syndrome child to compare the development to. Yeah. It's just I mean, the kid started to develop. Are they describing the deletion of a chromosome? Is that what no, they... No, just that the kid improved. Right. Um, but I mean, you got to wonder, like, we know how powerful the placebo effect is as well. Like, does the placebo effect have, even though the child's only two and a half, but did that play a role? Well, there's a placebo effect for the mother. Well, yeah, I don't know exactly. about the child. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing, right? With, you know, with this kind of stuff as well, is that um, it comes down to, like, there's like a, a caregiver's questionnaire that they use in, in you know, like uh, clinical trials, that kind of stuff. And sometimes, like, it is, you know, open to uh, placebo in the case of the observer. Like, oh, like, oh, no, they're starting to look better. They're starting to be better. Well, what but this made me think of hope. is could you do the reverse? Could you laser scan a photo of someone with a disability or someone on the way out? I'm sure the Soviets experimented in that. And then beam it into someone healthy. Well, could you... What would that do? Could you distribute it en masse? Yeah. As Could you well. have some kind of harp-like device yeah. pulsing out idiocracy 
on uh, some kind of idiocracy wavelength, making everyone yes. stupid. And it, it got and turned malleable. on right before the pandemic. Like, what happens if you scan a, a photo of a woman and beam it into a man? Like someone in government, for example. Like, <laughs> what would happen? Imagine if, imagine if your enemies discovered a way to beam some kind of energy into the minds of your leaders to create those kinds of results. <laughs> what kind of world would we be, li- we be living in, Aaron? Clown world. We would be living in clown world. That's what we would be. <laughs> well, what's funny about this is I was finding all these yeah, ridiculous examples. and Get that off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the screen. Bring back the Russian guy. It's not on up. the screen. I was finding all these ridiculous examples. But then I realized that there's other scientists outside of the Western sphere of influence who have come North to sit. Korean scientists. Well, yeah, you're pretty close. Like one example was Dr. Cheng Kanjen. Uh, here he is on the screen here. This guy's he holding. He's holding like an embryo of a chicken, I think. Or oh, is okay. it or is it a duckin? Hmm? Is it some kind of Are they gonna somehow create two duckins that just Get grown from yeah, the embryo? Yeah, close. So this guy's story, I- incredible. He was born in uh, Chengdu in Liaoning province in China back in 1933. He graduated from the Chinese University of Medicine in 1959. And parallel with his medical studies, he researched cybernetics, quantum mechanics, and radio engineering. He uh, worked on psychic research. He worked on biomicrowaves as well, which is what this uh, Russian, Russian research is. And there's very little information on this guy. It is impossible to look up information on this guy, especially in English. But there is one article that he wrote that's been translated into English. And? And where is it? But our beloved Nexus magazine. That looks like an old edition of Nexus magazine. Going way back to January 1996, Nexus Volume 3, Number 1. And who has a copy of Nexus Volume 3, Number 1? You do. do. (laughs) Aaron bought the entire back catalogue a couple of years ago. Uh, So, yeah, we had this on our servers, so I pulled it up. And I I found the article from this guy, from Chung Kanjin. And he, he writes that advances in modern physics have led me to assume that DNA is, in fact, only a cassette with recorded information, whose actual material carriers are bioelectromagnetic signals. Again, this is the same conclusion that the Russians came to. In other words, the electromagnetic field and DNA together make up combined genetic material, which exists in two forms. There is a passive DNA form and an active form. The active form is the bioelectromagnetic form. The passive form preserves the genetic code, whereas the active form is transmitting and it can be modified. So he talks about these laboratory experiments he did uh, in China and Russia that he says have yielded positive results in the field transmission of genetic information. So again, this is the same kind of thing. This is what we've been talking about with the Russians, this idea of gathering the information and transmitting it, sending it somewhere else to see the effect. Uh, He's worked in agriculture, uh, medicine, and other fields of genetics. And in the article, he lists some of his experiments and his results. So the number one uh, thing he did was looking at the bioelectromagnetic effect on wheat mass and uh, maize kernels, corn kernels. He said, 
in place of the cob heads, they're formed original ears with grains like those of both wheat and maize. Um, the maize was found to be su- superior to a reference lot by 200% in kernel yield and 300% in mass. This reminds me of the uh, electroculture, like the electroagriculture with the, um, the towers that were in Ireland. Yes, and we we did that recently with the Celtic Towers. Yeah. We came to the conclusion that perhaps uh, the seeds for the crop were placed there to kind of charge them up with some kind of electromagnetic energy. And of course, previous research we've looked at on the show has postulated that this is what uh, ancient pyramid sites and mounds were used for because of their electromagnetic properties, either of the site itself where a particular structure or pyramid or mound was built or the fact that the the pyramid or the mound or the whatever man-made structure seems it seemed to amplify mm. those natural energies and would produce better outcomes and increase yield. Yeah. The idea was that they would put their their seeds there, they would put the seeds for the crop and they would get a, be- a better crop yield and this was, you know, part of what these, significantly better too, wasn't it? Yeah, part of, this is part of what these structures were for. Uh, so he kind of tried to reproduce this effect he looked at uh, melons. There's photos I don't have for the show. Of but giant melons. Photos of giant melons he was growing, um, and he did experiments on the taste and all that sort of stuff. But he also did uh, peanuts, sunflower sprouts. He 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 took the DNA or the the genetic information of peanuts and he applied it to sunflower seeds. Now he claims that. The <laughs> the sunflowers change shape to look like the peanut plants, and they also started to taste like peanuts. <laughs> they had a peanut. That's taste. a considerable amount of genetic information, though, that he must be transferring. Well, you can do anything if you've got lasers. And his most famous experiment is where he took four hundred and eighty chicks hatched from five hundred eggs, and took one of his lasers, applied a duck's bioelectromagnetic field to the laser and then blasted all these baby chickens with it. What he discovered was the chickens, as they grew up, they had webbed feet like ducks. They had a flat-shaped head and beak like a duck. Their necks were 70% longer and the midsection opening of their eyes was... um, similar to ducks and 90% of these chickens as they developed. So you're just seeing really bizarre stuff, but this is the, exactly the same research that was being conducted in Russia. But this is around the same time, am I correct? This is 1950s China in the Academy of Sciences in, in China. That's one of the birds on the screen there. I mean, it's subtle, but you can see that, yeah, there's some webbing going on there. And the reverse also worked. He started to breed ducks with chicken claws by using lasers on the duck eggs. <laughs> Isn't this bizarre? So what happened to this guy? Well, um... Did he disappear? Look, he, he started to... Well, one of the other ones he did was he got the bioelectromagnetic field of a goat and he started shooting it at rabbits. And he claims that the rabbits developed large curved teeth like the goats. So at least there was some kind of change in the organism. Um, Now he said, as a doctor, I'm particularly interested in the effect of the electromagnetic field of young organisms on older ones. 
The initial experiments were staged on old mice. He said they were exposed to the bioelectromagnetic radiation of young plant sprouts and animal embryos. He claims the results were the restoration of the sexual and reproductive functions in 31% of the mice. They extended the lifespan by 1.5 years compared to the control group in the mice. And there was an improvement in appetite, reaction speed, mobility in up to 68% of the mice that received this kind of laser field from younger embryos. It makes you wonder as well, because it's obviously far less invasive than what, you know, there's these, uh, you know, Silicon Valley big tech billionaires that are taking <laughs> young blood transfusions. Yeah. I'm like, well, is it actually working? Because, But it's not about the components of the blood. It's about the electro elements. You don't even need a blood boy. You just need a picture of a blood boy. <laughs> And you, well, maybe you need them to be close to you and the, the beam has to be fired through them. And then you have to be <laughs> like that scene out of Batman Forever where you've got like all the beams coming down into the into the Riddler's head. You're right. kind of sitting there getting the same effect going. Right. So you line up 10 blood boys. Yeah. Right. Um, make sure they're nude. That's really yeah, important. Yeah, you just get 10 Abercrombie and Fitch models That's before right. they went woke and then fire a laser beam through them and you stand at the end. Yeah, you stand behind them and you're just yeah. like, oh! <laughs> and you, it's like, <laughs> you just start de-aging. That's right. Yeah, it's like the reverse Indiana Jones scene. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're, you're a baby on the floor you by the end. overdo it and you're yeah. Benjamin Buttoned. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. This is real, legit Chinese-Soviet communist science from the 1950s. Yeah, that works. Uh, so what do you do? Like, you've mastered creating duckins, you've created weird goat chickens and all sorts of uh, horrific acts against God. The what, PLA gets involved. Yeah, what do you do? In uh, 1987, he said he had an epiphany. He decided to perform the experiments on himself and jump in front of the laser. So he he basically took the energy signatures from young organisms and beamed himself. Now, the guy's still alive today, and he must be. In, he was born in 1930. No, he can't be alive today if he was born in 1933. Oh, he could be, but he's pushing, what, 90, 91? years old. So uh, after this, he was happy with how the results turned out with himself. So he put his old man in front of a laser. <laughs> he got his father, who was 80 years old. And what, did he use a bunch of ducks? He blasted him with the genetic information of 20-year-olds. He claims that his father had chronic health conditions that disappeared, uh, he had some kind of weird allergic itch he'd had for over a decade that vanished. He had tinnitus, which diminished, and he had a benign tumor, which basically shrunk and disappeared. Uh, and hair grew on his bald spots six months later. His gray hair turned black, and a new tooth appeared in the place of one that had fallen out 20 years earlier. Come on, this is like a gold mine waiting to be tapped. Again, though, you know what feels wrong about this is that are you taking something from those 20-year-olds? I just thought of that earlier because there has to be an energy exchange. Yeah, there's an energy, because energy isn't created or destroyed. It's only transformed. So again, maybe the Aboriginals were correct. Like they intuitively understood that if your photo is taken, in the future, some deranged communist scientist <laughs> could shoot a laser at it and steal your energy. Your essence. Well, what do you think about like... You know, like non-local, um, you know, activity, spooky action at a distance, that kind of stuff. Could you actually, I mean, we're getting metaphysical now, but could you actually steal someone's essence, their youthful <laughs> essence, from a photograph? I think you, you probably could. 
based on all this legit information like I've been covering. Like, hang up a few magazines of Vogue, some old bag that's like firing a laser through them. It sounds pretty easy. Like, we can order a laser off eBay and I can get photos of hot young people and we'll just see if, we'll see if it works. How hard can it be? <laughs> uh, so what happened with this? Well, he claims that due to his experiments on organism rejuvenation, the Russian health ministry gave him authorization to bump this up and he started practicing with microwaves. And I've got some images of where this went, but you might think, well, hang on, this guy was in China. He was Chinese. What happened? Well, in the cult, during the Cultural Revolution, he was anti-communist. He didn't like the Communist Party. He didn't fall in line with what they wanted. So he they was- struggle sessioned him. Yeah, he was labeled as a dissident, uh, an enemy of the state. He had to flee. So he fled to the USSR in 1971 and started- Take his laser with him? Yeah. Well, he did more than that. See, the Russians started to give this guy funding. And he started to build crazy what shit the like hell is this. That? that is so cool. There's this giant dodecahedron with spikes on it. It looks like some kind of Katamari Damasi ball on steroids that opens up that you can climb inside. You gotta look you at the image. What? It's like an anti-aging device that Madonna would use. <laughs> That's what that is. Put this one in the show notes because yeah, this was one of his, I think, final designs and several prototypes as well. He looks quite happy with himself, doesn't he? I mean he's like, man. <laughs> I create a machine that make you a young boy. Is, but yeah, what is it supposed to do? Uh, that's clearly evidenced by the schematics on the next slide right here. What the? I think we can all just take a look at that and it's self-evident. Anyone with eyeballs can figure that out. So I'm assuming that you sit at number four and then you're blasted by number three. Number four. And number six is someone <laughs> who's in their 20s has been pinned down. <laughs> Maybe number it's like four. it's like a Chinese menu. Like you pick a number before you get in there. Oh, number two. Number two, make you a young boy. <laughs> number four, make you a young girl. <laughs> uh, you want to be woman, okay. <laughs> this is so awful. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the prototypes that the Russians funded for him years earlier. I don't know if he looks younger or older in that photo, though. He doesn't look as smug in that one. Maybe that one didn't work. (laughs) So, yeah, Dr. Chang started working in Russia. He he did all this work on barley seeds. There's all these testimonials from the director of the Agricultural Research Institute. So in the end, he started working mainly with their agricultural departments. But of course, I mean, the Soviet Union was falling apart. Obviously, mm. um, it was in com- complete shambles. Nothing was really operating. So you got to think, you know, this this kind of thinking existed in a bubble outside of the influence of Western science. Yeah, well, I mean, this is um, breakaway civilization stuff, potentially. Yeah. Like if, if he got it to work. And, and it makes you wonder, like, yeah, maybe none of it really worked and there was a lot of fraud going on. But you would think that after this many decades, even in the, I mean, the Soviets, were great scientists. I mean, yeah, they were. Yeah, they had some incredible yep. scientific achievements. You would think they'd be able to spot something that's a fraud. Well, the thing as well is that the the Soviet scientists, because they were cut off from the rest of the world, really, um, they were cut off from things like the developments of antibiotics, as a good example. Right, so they they went another way. They went and did use bacteriophage. Yeah, like right. They, they approached things from a different way. They just went, oh, well, we can't get access to that information. I'm going to try to steal it, but obviously because it was a Cold War. So what they did is they improvised and they looked at science from a different way. And as much as it's still it's a horrible, terrible regime, their scientists were like, well, we have to, you know, come up with other innovations. Well, I, I just started to wonder 
what this guy would have been capable of if he had a better environment for his research. And the backing of, you know, of the actual scientific yeah, industry. If, if he had a, a stable um, yeah. stable funding, like a stable uh, environment to do his research and other competent people to help him. Without that delicious a, a, to duck and would have been great. Yeah, without a crumbling state surrounding his research, I wonder what would have taken place. Well, the other thing that it makes me wonder as well is that because you've got this crumbling state, has this knowledge actually been lost? You know, has it been lost? Well, obviously it hasn't been lost because you can go to the website. Well, that's not, I'm not, I don't mean that. I mean like actual legitimate research that's been conducted like, into it. We're not paying 800 pounds. We've just got to wait six months for your Hitler photo to come back with your wave matrix, slap on a pair of headphones, and you could be, a, you'll probably turn into a, a young German man. <laughs> <laughs> Who's angry about his art career. <laughs> <laughs> you just quit the podcast and start painting. <laughs> just goes horribly wrong. I get you. kicked out of some Vienna art school. <laughs> decide to take my you know retribution amongst society. The political landscape of Australia is just transformed. Changes. Forever. Yep, I get into power and then just take over. Can I be on your right hand side? Can I be on the right hand side of evil? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, of course, <laughs> can't do this myself. So at the end of this article, the author, the author here, uh, Roger Meacock, says, "Look." In terms of credibility, for most people, the ability to use their baby photo to capture their DNA information sounds totally far-fetched. But Dr. Garyev was attacked by fellow academics despite the fact that since 2011, when he started offering this service publicly, many people have written testimonials in relation to their recovery. He said it is a great loss to humanity that Garyev unexpectedly died in November of 2020 with barely a mention in any of the scientific or national press of his work or his passing. So the question is, once again, is it real? Yeah. <laughs> is there anything yeah. to this? The fact that there were guys in the Soviet Union and in Russia doing this for decades. Well, yeah, it's real in the sense that they were looking into it. Getting the funding to build awesome-looking giant machines to transfer this energy information you got to think something was going on, like something measurable was going on with this stuff. It can't have all just been pure quackery, right? No, exactly. It can't have been. Like you must, because you need to have progress for them to continue throwing money at things. Well, I realise that there's still individuals in Russia that are following this research. And I found one of their websites today. It's over at wavegenetic.ru. Aura torsion fields. This is the official site for linguistic wave genetics. And they sell, well, I don't know if they sell, but they have uh, write-ups on some of this information. Torsion fields and wave genetic conferences are happening in, in the- Charging paintings with the help of torsion fields? Yeah, let's click on that. Let's check that out. Good one. This is the technology of charging printed images that's been developed using torsion fields. To contain healing information. Oh, there's, he's got that weird pyramid headphone amplifier device. So is that device you use to try? But this is what I'm talking about, right? This is the idea that certain art forms, like you bring them into your home, you bring them into your life. What's it actually, aside from just visually looking at something, is there an ideology? Is there an energy behind it, which is not healthy for you? And, you know, there's all these stories from a paranormal perspective of people being like, they bring home a painting of from an old castle and it's all of a sudden you've got poltergeist activity in your home. Yeah, because it's got point. like a spirit trapped inside it. Well, I think there's energy behind everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And there's a non-physical side to everything that has physical existence, especially things that are alive 
from what we would term alive. And yeah, some of these devices supposedly tap into these fields and manipulate them. I like this one at the top here. I call this the Whitley Strieber 5000. <laughs> Look at it, man. I call it the dilator. Man, he, he would just start sweating as soon as he saw it. Like, oh, boy. It's funny if you go look at this crazy chart. There's this insane chart with like uh, the the horoscope signs and weird weird triangles everywhere. But look at the name in the top left. Can you read that out for us? Can you see that? Oh, David Ike. It says David. Why does it say David Ike on this chart? And scroll down, and there's the Anatoly Pavlenko Ekimov torsion generator. Let's uh, click on that. Let's have a look. What's this one about? I hope he doesn't use it. Oh, that's the little I headphone app. Your information about so-called Akimo generator. The generator produces right torsion field, but not only right, but the device can produce left and right torsion field. Left and right torsion field. Mm. Okay. You can see the device consists of box and box. hole. <laughs> 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 That's literally all it is. <laughs> yeah, device is box and cone. Uh, anything else, uh, Professor? No, not. <laughs> Just box and cone. You can pay extra for two box, two cone. Uh, switch on. Cone, cone. This has a shape. This, this uh, cone has a right ocean field on the, on, the, uh, on the top of this cone. And I can I'll show this, this really... What's he holding in his hand? <laughs> He's got some weird little, like, whip in his hand that he's spinning. So he's touching the torsion field, and apparently that's making the metal spin. Let's skip ahead. What else has he got in here? Does he hold it up against something? Has he got any freaking lasers? What's this thing? Some weird box with knobs on it. We are going to show you how uh, <laughs> generator of Akimo torsion field work. Now, I was holding this device over the top of the other cone device. Near the top of the cone, we can see the needle move, move right. But I try to put needle on the zero, but it is impossible. Because needle. Wow. How much vodka did this guy drink before this experiment? <laughs> Makes me realize I actually found a, uh, a video of their lab uh, earlier that, that where they were doing some of well, these experiments. Yeah, yeah, let's take a listen. <laughs> so, this is the main scientist behind it, uh, Yvlenko. What is he doing? Is that a taser? This this is the transfer from the man on the right who's gene to <laughs> So there he's receiving the energy. There's not, there's not enough face palms in the world for that. It's just and did you see that they managed to take some of this material and they developed a device that they attached to a motor vehicle? No. You haven't seen this one? No, I haven't. So this is like one of those old Soviet cars yeah, yeah, yeah. that they've attached this device to? Like a lot of Niev or something. Yeah. 
And as you can see, due to the genetic wave information, it has either gone into the past or the future. Pro Depending on which way the torsion field was going. <laughs> probably, probably going back to the 1950s to rescue that Chinese guy. Probably. <laughs> Uh, so we can clearly see that there's something going on with this, but jokes aside, there there is something that I realized at the end of this. There's a great, um, really long presentation on all this technology, and it's very well thought out, very well researched, but very heavy on the physics and the mathematics and the individuals behind this. It's a, a presentation by Ulrich Granuger. And it's called Future Science, the Wave Genome. And I realized that where his research was going towards the end of his career, they started to discover that they didn't need lasers anymore. They didn't need that kind of um, energetic uh, device to produce an effect. So what do they use now? Language. Let's take a listen. If there is a real resonance between DNA and human language, it should be possible to modulate DNA by language alone. And I'm afraid this has already been done, and the implications are powerful. In a frightening and yet groundbreaking set of experiments, the Gayaev group has used human language signals to initiate gene modification and expression. Curiously, this situation was forecast hundreds of years ago if we read the Kabbalistic literature about the golem, the construction of an artificial intelligence that also had a genetic body put together by a corrupted form of language. It imitated a human but did not have the higher attributes of a human soul. Even older are the Gnostic teachings, such as the Pistis Sophia, that describe how archons or off-planetary intelligence well, here are we responsible go. for the industrious production of genetic material that is molded to resemble Yaldabaoth, the Demiurge, his name itself a corruption of the original power of creation in Yah Sabaoth. Stealing the youthful essence of a bunch of models by sitting in some weird Madonna tank, I buy. That <laughs> I'm willing to entertain. But then when you start crossing into archons and language, I'm just like... But all of it's related. Think about the work from Dean Radin, his parapsycholo parapsychology studies where it was revealed time and time again that for the effect to take hold, there had to be belief. Yes, that's true. The Whoever was involved in the experiment had to have some kind of belief for any tangible effect to really manifest. And so I said earlier that this is similar to magic, and it absolutely is. And this is why a lot of this stuff can't be replicated, because there's something about the, in, the intent and the consciousness of the practitioner that... And the individual. is crucial to the outcome of the experiments. And we like she's, I think she made a really great point there because we are crossing over with mysticism. This is crossing over into the side of, you know, as she said, the Kabbalah and earlier sources 
Which is why it all starts to sound so demonic in well, the end, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. And when you think about it, though, like what has always been the point of propaganda? It's controlling the way that people think, right? And propaganda is using language. And this is why, and this is why you know, right in the world we're living in right now, why um, censorship is so strong and why people are so hell-bent on controlling speech. Like in this new term, like hate speech, uh, people are hell-bent on controlling speech because it's about power. But when you start crossing into this kind of stuff, like does it actually start crossing into more metaphysical elements? That it's like, it really is about manifesting control over others. Well, there is something to that. There is some power behind that. If you control language, you control thought. Yes. And this is tied into all of this. And so just something to ponder. It's, it's, difficult. it's difficult to accept a lot of this. Like, obviously, it's easy to it's laugh to at impossible. it and make fun of it, which we've done. It's hilarious, the idea that you can beam a laser at a hot <laughs> hot photo and make yourself younger. It just sounds so silly. But on the other hand, there has been some real history of scientific progress following this different way of thinking. Yes. And it also feels impossible just to throw it all away. There's something to this. I'm I not this quite sure. It's that, the nuance. Yeah, there's something to this. And I, I don't know if we live in a world that has the um, the ability to make new discoveries like this anymore. I think that our we're kind of we're set in our ways and the scientific establishment is is well established. Well, it's it's not it's not going anywhere. It's driven by money. It's driven by other nefarious interests. Yeah, you know, so what, things the, like things things like this aren't going to break through. Well maybe not. But then you hear like if you look through history, it's like Copernicus, for example, or you know, people that were, you know, even Da Vinci that were outliers. Mm. Like they were coming up with wild ideas, but they were correct. Copernicus, Da Vinci, Tesla, S. Rob. Well, they all come to mind. Maybe not so much S. Rob. S. Rob, the occultist author, is a professional. He's written more books on the occult than anyone else in the English language. I'm reading from his website here, srob.co.uk. Uh, you can still buy magic spells from S. Rob. See up on the menu here. And there are some classics that make... Bigger breasts, breast-growing oh, booby magic. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get booted off YouTube. Uh, that is the sexy naked person sex attraction magic spell still available. Uh, there's also the bigger breasts-growing boob magic spell, $5.99. There's the... Oh, hang on. Is that $599 or $5.99? No, just $5. See, they're now. cheaper than getting you know, your DNA blasted or getting your photograph scanned. S-Rob is not a greedy man. He is not a greedy man. No, he wants to bring sexy, naked attraction personness to everyone. There was a like a penis enlargement one, which had a lot of reviews, but I can't <laughs> see it anymore. I swear I was reading it earlier. Uh, hair growth, baldness one, clever intelligence, magical spell cast, do you want IQ spell? And <laughs> he's got an Asian guy. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Clever intelligence, magic spell caster, do what you want IQ. We all want that kind of IQ, don't we? Sure. Don't we, Aaron? Yep. Powerful intelligence boosting magic spell cast, very powerful boost to your intelligence will be seen for full effect to leave your name and date of birth. Let's check out the reviews. Einstein, five stars. I wanted to be excellent on every subject at school, event, or anywhere when where learning takes place. I wanted to be like Mr. Fantastic and Batman combined. I want to pass in my matric, what is it? Matric exam. <laughs> Speak am, into the microphone when you talk. Oh, I'm very weak in math. I don't know how to solve any problem. Five stars. Okay. 
And I realized that uh, the good S. Rob, he has his YouTube channel link up the top here. And I was checking out some of his latest. And here's the video I was talking about. Supernatural being told me while writing Snake Demons from Hell, which is his latest book, by the way. But told him what? Well, exactly. What a, what a weird video title. It's like a question and a statement all rolled into one. Let's take a listen. Well, I'm talk about something very weird now. I'm doing it the early hours of the morning, so it's like, it happened to me three days ago, okay? Three days ago, when I was writing the book, uh, Snake Demons from Hell, which I know that's a sensational name, I was contacted by a supernatural being. Now, the thing is with this is, it gave me proof of its existence. Okay, I'll explain that a little bit further on. But it said, we are the demons, us humans. And what it also said was that we have limited limitations. And the reason you can't advance because of the limitations, but a being will come from us that is all powerful and we will be its ancestors. That's what it said. Are you getting all this? No. The human beings are the demons and a being will come that is our ancient ancestors? Okay. The word Wu-Tang can be the best Wu-Tang you can be. The best Wu-Tang? Yeah, he keeps mentioning Wu-Tang. I wasn't sure what he was saying. Wu-Tangy, I thought he was saying. No, he's saying Wu-Tang, like the Wu-Tang clan. Wu-Tang said to me. Now, the thing is, that's the proof, because Wu-Tang is Chinese. I don't know what the hell Chinese is. I'm not really good at foreign languages. You know, I do English. I'm all north, I just do English. And Wu-Tang, I had to find somebody Chinese. And Wu-Tang is linked with the word Wu-Tang, which is a Wu-Tang mountain, which is a spot for Taoism. The weird thing with this is people probably... To be Taoism? <laughs> yeah. ...descended Master Moses, who in, in actual fact was a guy that made himself into uh, an Egyptian... Uh, an Egyptian, um, well, emperor, I'm trying to think of <laughs> An Egyptian, well, emperor. We'll Where go with is that. he? What, why is he wearing sunglasses? Is he just come out of a nightclub? What oh, is going on? A nightclub in the background. And overall, it's my 708th book. 708th. <laughs> you know. Some people call me master. I never tell them to, but they do anyway. Okay. And that's, I just want to help you all out. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, that's Rob. Right, I'll give you a quick look. See you later, mate. Should we have a quick look around? Can yeah, look give around? us a quick look, mate. <laughs> okay. Bye -bye. The streets are empty. He just turns around to an the empty street. The streets are empty. <laughs> In the middle of England somewhere. Let's check out his books. What else has he been doing? What is that? Oh, is, we're just, you're going to get us banned, this Rob. I like this one. This is uh, a cult cryptozoology for summoning da dangerous cryptids. I actually own this one. Good. Have bought, you used bought it? Bought it today. No, great. You should use it. <laughs> There's a Bigfoot spell. You don't want Bigfoot and hanging around. Yeah, he, he, you have to follow his instructions and you can summon Bigfoot. But at various points... He says you got to check around to see if Bigfoot has already arrived. This is a key part of the spell because you don't want to continue summoning more Bigfoots. Yeah, you one's have enough. A, it's like uh, Mr. Meesix. You have them just replicating everywhere. <laughs> Obviously, it's a rather lucrative job for him because he's Seven. out at his nightclubs, his stylish nightclubs. This is my favorite. Goblin love magic. 72 uh, pages. 
I think that's his 703rd What's in book. the book? So is it just rambling <laughs> like just shit? Yeah. It's just the, the same thing repeated over and Give over Give him again. a thumbs up, though. I saw he's only got 13 likes, so the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Go to, go to S-Rob's site and uh, leave a review on one of his spells. We'll link to it in the show notes at mysteriousuniverse.org. While you're there, sign up for plus, mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Sign up today. You get access to the big extensions we do on these shows every single Friday. Uh, plus members also get an exclusive show that comes out every single Tuesday as well. You're getting more than double the content if you sign up for Plus. Plus members also get a totally ad-free version of the show, a higher quality MP3 for our audio version. And uh, if you sign up for MU Max, you get access to our massive back catalogue as well. It's all on the website, mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Nine bucks a month. Help support your favourite show. Sign up today. What's coming up in the Plus extension? We're going to be going into extraterrestrial mining operations, the UFO supercharging network across Western Virginia, and also the uh, siphoning of uranium from certain mines by alleged UFOs. And I say alleged because we're not entirely sure they are UFOs, but all that stuff is coming up in our Plus extension very soon. Looking forward to that. That's a wrap for this free edition of MU. Thanks for listening. If you're on Plus, stick around for the great stuff after the break for everyone else. We'll catch you next week.